You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Now we pick up that they've come to the church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, and we pick up in 15 verse 36, uh, the continuation of where we're at now that they have this newfound knowledge and they want to go share this with the other churches. 36 says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Sounds like a good idea, right? Hey, let's go back and let's tell them, hey, we got this letter, and we want the, the Gentiles to know that you are accepted as believers, that there's no extra requirements. And, and they come up with this idea that Paul has this idea, let's go tell these other churches, let's go encourage them, let's go care for them. And so I'm, I'm always leery to read into the scripture when things are omitted. And so I, I don't know this for a fact, but when you read this, we're about to see that this is going to cause tension between a great team, between a great partnership, between two great friends. And last time when the, Paul and Barnabas went out, they were led, it said, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompted the church to send them out as missionaries. The Holy Spirit was involved all along. And this time, it says Paul had the idea. So like I said, it, I'm leery to read into when something is missing. The Holy Spirit might have been part of this, but it might have been Paul's idea. It might have been what's leading to this separation between the two, this, this frustration, this fight, is maybe this wasn't a God-ordained trip, that, but it was a man's doing. And so we step into this, into this picture of them deciding to go and reach out. Verse 37 says, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So if you remember back, Paul and Barnabas went on this trip earlier, right? And they went to Cyprus, Barnabas' island, and everything went well. They were able to reach out to the governor. The governor accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and everything went well. And then when they were about to go to a harder spot to go through pirate waters, to go through a treacherous land, to go to areas that eventually they would be run out, even stoned, John Mark decides to bail. We don't know why. They never give details on why John Mark left. But on the beginning of the trip, when the trip began to, on the verge of getting tough, John Mark goes back. So now Paul and Barnabas are ready to go again. And this time Barnabas, who's the cousin of John Mark, says, hey, let's take John Mark again with us. And Paul doesn't want anything to do with it. And so this, they begin to have this argument. And, and understandably, both sides, if you look at it, both sides are kind of correct, Right? You have Paul who saw that this guy bailed on them when the going gets tough. And Paul went and saw how tough it would get. Paul was stoned almost to death. And so he's wondering, is John, is John Mark going to bail on us again? What happens if we're in a, facing a hard situation and John Mark wants to leave? Who's going to protect him? Who's going to care for him? And so he has some valid concern that this guy bailed on us. What if he does that again? And so Paul is very concerned about the mission at hand. We're going to go. We're going to reach these churches. We're going, to, we're going to accomplish this goal. He's very focused on the goal. And so John Mark stands in the way of accomplishing that goal. But then you have Barnabas, the cousin of John Mark. Barnabas and Paul had gone back to Jerusalem for this council, and you've got, got to figure that Barnabas probably met with John Mark several times while they were there. Met with his cousin, talked about the, the journey, the mission journey. Maybe met with him and said, hey, why, 
Why did you leave in the first place? Where are you at now on your, on your faith walk? Where are you at now? And, and maybe there's a conversation. Hey, if we, if we go again, you want to go with us? Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to be fully engaged? That Barnabas sees this opportunity with his younger cousin. Barnabas sees the opportunity to give a second chance, to give a mentoring, to give a coaching to his younger cousin, to bring him along. While Paul is focused on the mission, Barnabas is focused on the people. Neither one is really wrong, right? Like, Paul's valid that they have a goal. The goal is to reach people for Jesus Christ, and, and if you have this guy bailing on him, that's going to ruin the goal. But then Barnabas isn't wrong either. Hey, let's bring this guy. Give him a second chance. Take him under our wing. Coach him along. And so neither of these men are willing to fold. Neither of these men are willing to, to concede and, and give in to the other person. And so anyone that thinks that Luke is just whitewashing the book of Acts, giving us the highlights, the positive highlights, to see what the, church, the early church was like and leaving out the, the dirty parts, could look at this end of this chapter 15 and see. Luke shares it all. Because you have this partnership. Paul and Barnabas. When Paul first accepted Christ, when he accepted Christ as his Savior, he, he went into studying and, and Barnabas was there and Barnabas was the first one to give him a chance. The same thing he's trying to do with John Mark is to give Paul a chance to say, you know, you, you've been persecuting the Christians, but we're going to give you a chance. And it was because of Barnabas that he was able to bring Paul to the leaders in the Jerusalem church. They were all scared of Paul. They were all terrified, thought that this was a trap. But Barnabas says, it's okay, he's with me. And he brings him in. You have this partnership that Paul went to, to his hometown of Tarsus and went and studied for many years. And when Barnabas needed to go and plant the church in, in Poseidon, Antioch, he knew of one person that he wanted to take with him. One person with the drive, one person with the passion, one person with the excitement, one person with the knowledge, and that was Paul. And he goes and he meets with Paul and he says, why don't you come and start this church with me? And so the two go and they go to Poseidon Antioch and they, br and they bring their strengths and they bring this partnership to lead this amazing church that sends out missionaries. They go on this first missionary journey and they're there whole, uh, side by side. In the good times and the bad, remember they were called Zeus and Hermes, right? They, they faced the persecution that Paul was stoned and, and Barnabas was there to bring healing and take care of him. It was a partnership. It was a friendship. And like I said, Luke isn't whitewashing anything. You have these two men that somehow pride maybe got in the way. Somehow this argument just escalates and they end up separating. And so you have verse 39. Then they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers by the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You have these two missionary journeys take place. And as Luke has uh, had this theme of God's grace, especially throughout this section of Acts, we see it again, that in the midst of this fight... God redeems it, and two missionary journeys go out. We don't hear from, Paul, from Barnabas anymore. Barnabas and Mark, they head to Cyprus, and, and we don't know how that trip went. We don't know what happened, but we do know that later in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, he writes that, about Barnabas in a positive, present tense situation, that, he, that he's alluding to that Barnabas is doing great things. 
And so maybe there was some reconciliation in the friendship, or there was at least some respect with what Barnabas and Mark went and did. Paul and Silas go, and, and we'll see throughout the rest of Acts and the journey of Paul. And he goes on and does great things, and he ends up writing these letters. And, and most of the New Testament we read is, it comes from, from Paul. And so God is able to do great things in spite of this argument. And don't forget John Mark. If you don't know, John Mark is the same Mark that wrote one of the Gospels. John Mark is the same young man that learned under Barnabas, that learned the ways to, to be a leader, that learned the ways to evangelize, that learned how what it meant to be a Christian. And he goes and he writes the book of Mark. That Paul, even later, Paul, the one that was against John Mark, right, later calls uh, Mark in Colossians 4.10, acknowledges him as a useful, useful to me for service and makes him part of this evangelistic team. For a guy like Paul, useful to me in service, that's the best compliment he could get. And so you got Barnabas and Paul and John Mark, all going and doing great things for God. And like I said, it's, as we have this Father's Day theme, it's amazing that we come to this passage on Father's Day. As you see, some tips that we can have is if any of you are fathers or, or thinking about it or just maybe a, you have a positive influence on the kids at, at, around in your neighborhood. Or maybe Barnabas wasn't bringing on a little kid in John Mark. Maybe it's people that you work with that you could be a good influence on. But you see this example in Barnabas. His name was the son of encouragement, and you see that in him, that he gave John Mark a second chance, that he brought him along, and he said, I'm willing to, to support you and care for you. Some tips for, for us in doing the dad life, right, that we can see from this is to pray for our children and teach them of God. As Barnabas did, he encouraged John Mark, and, and he taught him on this journey to, through Cyprus on how to evangelize and about Jesus Christ. And we see, once we see our child's focus, uh, Bill had mentioned this from Proverbs 22.6, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I love that verse, and, and as Bill was talking about, that it's part of like just finding your kid's focus, finding his abilities, finding her strengths, and being able to cultivate those to be used for God. That if your child is an extrovert, how do you teach them to go out and be evangelistic? Go out and share the message of God. If your child is steeped in details, how do you help them be able to study the Bible and be able to get the most out of it? To be able to find what makes them tick and grow that for God's kingdom. This is what Barnabas did. As you picture this John Mark, this young guy, that they go and he gives a second chance. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have the gospel of Mark. We wouldn't have this amazing, this amazing gospel that is so passionate that if you've read the book of Mark, you see that he's, everything, he uses the word immediately over and over because he's excited because he's passionate about Jesus Christ. And he got that from Barnabas. So our story continues. You got Barnabas and John Mark, and they head out. And now we have Paul and Silas. Six, chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Listeria, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Listeria and Iconom spoke well of him. You have Timothy. If you know your New Testament, there's a book of First and Second Timothy, and this is the Timothy that that's written to. This is the Timothy that has been learning in Derby and Listeria. 
That remember Paul and Barnabas had gone to Listeria earlier and they had preached there. This is the place that they thought that they were gods, Zeus and, and Hermes, and they finally realized they're not. And, they begin, and they're allowed to preach. And so Paul is bringing converts to Christianity, one of which probably was Timothy. And this is the same place that Paul was stoned to death. That when people came and got the, got the people angry, they brought him out and they stoned him to the edge of death. And they leave him to die. And then it says the disciples came around. And the disciples, I wonder if this wasn't Timothy, that came around and picked him up. That bandaged his wounds that brought him back to health. And so they come back to this area and there's Timothy who's now a leader in the area, a leader in this church. And, and we learn from... From the scriptures from the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we learn a lot about him. He had his mother and his grandmother were basically the ones that raised him. They were the biggest influence on him, and they were Jewish. His father was a Greek, and so Timothy had not been circumcised. But he had been raised through the Jewish faith. In the rabbinic code, you would be able to tell your, your Jewishness came down through the mother's line because obviously you, that's the one where you'd be able to tell who you came from. You can't always determine who the father is. And so he was 100% fully Jewish according to the Jewish customs. But he hadn't been circumcised, but he had been raised to follow Yahweh. He had been raised to follow God. And so we get to verse 3. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So this kind of gets weird, right? If you, if you remember, chapter 15 was this whole debate, if we have to be circumcised or not. Do you have to be circumcised? I don't know. And then they finally come to this conclusion, you do not have to be circumcised. And so they have this letter that Paul can take with him and, and to tell all the Gentiles, it's okay, you don't have to give in to the Jewish customs, you don't have to do these things to be saved. And now he comes to Timothy and he wants to take Timothy with him and the first thing he does is have him be circumcised. This doesn't make sense if you're trying to connect the two, but we got to see that the two aren't really connected. The, Timothy's circumcision had nothing to do with his salvation. He had already accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. He had already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. His circumcision was so he would be able to better minister to the Jews that they would encounter along the way. And so Paul has them circumcised, so that way when they go, as Paul's mode, uh, main mode of evangelism was when they'd get to a new town, he would go to the synagogue, and now Timothy would be able to go with him. And that the Jews would be able to listen to Timothy and be able to hear about Timothy's preaching and be able to hear Timothy's message about Jesus Christ without any barriers in the way, without anything that's keeping them from focusing, keeping them from concentrating. And so he has them circumcised, not for salvation, but for witness opportunity. That he would be able to give his best mission work possible. So the passage continues, verse 4. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. I love that part. The churches were grew. The churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers as they went on and preached about Jesus Christ. They traveled and relayed this message of salvation is by faith alone. That they had this message, they had this letter saying that you don't have to do this list of things, but you just have to have faith. 
And the church was strengthened by that, by that very message. As I mentioned, Timothy was raised by his mom and his dad. The city of Listeria was a military post, and so it was a, a city that many military people would go when they'd retire, or when active military, they would go and they would leave their families there, and then they would go out. And we don't know what happened to Timothy's dad. We don't know uh, why he wasn't around. Perhaps he was a soldier and he was killed in the line of duty. Perhaps he was just always gone. But we see from the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he was basically raised by his mom and his grandma. And then Paul comes along. And like I said, it's amazing that we get to this scripture on Father's Day as we see another example of a man bringing another man along and mentoring him. That's not just kids that, that we could care for. That maybe it's a coworker, and maybe it, and it's not just men. That this is for women too. That maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor that you could be able to care for. That each one of us, men, women, young, old, could have our influence on somebody else to tell them about Jesus Christ, to teach them how to live, to be an influence, as we see that Barnabas was for John Mark, and the amazing impact John Mark had that Paul was for Timothy and the amazing impact that Timothy had. And I sit there and I look and I wonder what, what kind of impact could we have in Bristol if we did that same thing? If you and I were Barnabas and Paul taking under our wing a John Mark or a Timothy. Whether that be through, through caring for our neighbors, whether that be through caring for our coworkers, maybe through caring for a child, maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe a child in your home, that we could be that example in our own homes of what it means to be a Christian. And so as I look at this passage and I see this amazing impact and, and this impact that Barnabas and Paul had on, on a Mark and Timothy, I think what kind of impact could you guys have, could I have on our own Marks and Timothy? That you have that little card, Right? Well, that Windshape card, I got to tell you, there's some amazing stuff going on with Windshape. This has been the most exciting, like it's exciting every year, but it's been amazingly exciting because we've been seeing God working in mighty ways. And there is this decision just to be praying for funds, to be praying for kids, and, and we've been actively praying as a staff, as a Windshape leadership, and, and we have seen God work in amazing ways through all of you and through other things. And get this, at Windshape this year, there's going to be over 100 extra kids that have been fully paid for. Camp is $219, right? A hundred kids camp is paid for from the Boys and Girls Club, from Girls Inc., from foster care systems. You guys were part of that in scholarshiping many foster care kids. How amazing is that? That these kids are going to go to Windshape Camp and be able to learn about Jesus and be able to, to do fun things like the water wars and archery and, and cooking cl classes, but also be able to sing praises to Jesus Christ. Kids that would never be able to have this opportunity any other way, but God is taking care of it. God is igniting this. And so you have that little card on your, on your chair, and, and th this isn't a coincidence that we could be praying for a child that we could be Barnabas and Paul praying for Mark or Timothy that's going to be at Windshape. And so there's going to be over 200 kids at Windshape. And so to ask for 200 prayer partners is a daunting task. That's a lot of people that we need to be willing to pray. But it's not that daunting if you look around this room, if each one of you is willing to pray, to pray for a child. 
that if you are willing to put your name on that card and to simply pray, and we'll tell you the name of the child and, and have you praying for him, but imagine over the next several weeks, you would be Barnabas encouraging your John Mark. You will be Paul praying for your Timothy. I can't think of something more powerful than living out the scriptures that we see this next few weeks over a kid that's going to, to wind shape. I know two of my kids are going to be there. Two of my kids are going to have a prayer partner. And so if you'll be praying for those, I would appreciate that. And that's as a dad of two kids. And there's going to be kids there that don't have a dad. That they need a Barnabas and a Paul praying for their kids.